Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon features Bible teacher Duffy Robbins and was recorded on Sunday, July 17th, 2022. And hey, if you're ever in the area, join us on Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi in person. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at FaithBridge. And as always, you can join us every Sunday for FaithBridge Online at faithbridge.org live. Here's Duffy. Now, we're glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Join us here in the main auditorium. Those of you who are over in the communion room, good to see you guys. And if you're with us online, uh, we see you and we appreciate you are being here this morning. Um, I'm going to start off this morning with a little bit of a story. Um, the, the year was 1985, and, um, and I was preaching at Mount Oak United Methodist Church uh, in Mitchellville, Maryland. Now, I'd, I had been to Mount Oak on, on several occasions over the years, and, and one of the fun parts about preaching at Mount Oak Church was that because it was a church in the D.C. suburbs, uh, they had a lot of people in their congregation uh, who had sort of unique uh, government jobs. So, like on any given Sunday morning, you could be ushered to your seat, you know, by an FBI agent, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and maybe, um, you know, there'd be a, a prayer led by congressional aid, and, and, and maybe a guy that sang a solo uh, during the offering would be, you know, a four-star general from the Pentagon, and then, of course, the offering, uh, somebody from the IRS. And, and, and it was just, uh, they had these unique government uh, jobs. It was sort of intriguing. Well, anyway, on this particular Sunday night, um, I was approached after the service by this guy, comes up to me, introduced himself and says, uh, hey, are you and Maggie, uh, you know, spending the night or are you going to go on back up, uh, up to Pennsylvania? And, and, uh, and I wasn't really sure what he was getting at, but um, I said, yeah, he said, we're going to stay over. Uh, we're going to stay at the home of the senior pastor, uh, uh, George Anderson and his wife, Carol. Uh, the, the, their whole downstairs was kind of a, kind of a guest suite. So... Anyway, uh, that's when he offers me this invitation. He says, hey, um, I don't know what your schedule is tomorrow or, or, you know, what you guys plan to do if you're heading back out of town. But if you're free, um, I'd like you to come down tomorrow morning to the White House. And uh, I want to show you around and maybe I can introduce you to President Reagan. And, uh, And that's when he explained that he was actually in charge of all the Secret Service at the White House. And he said, now, now, look, I can't promise that you'll meet the president because I don't know uh, the president's uh, early morning schedule. But if you're interested, um, I- I'd love to show you around the West Wing uh, of the White House and uh, perhaps introduce you to President Reagan. And, and let me just explain that some of you probably know this, that pretty much any day of the week, any weekday, you can get a public tour uh, through um, the public wings of the White House. You just sort of walk through the ropes. Uh, and, and if you actually contact your congressman, you can get uh, a little VIP pass that allows you to get a guided tour through the public rooms of the White House. But, but what this guy was offering to us was a guided tour through the working wing of the White House, the West Wing of the White House. And, and so, you know, he, he said, you know, uh, I, you know, is that something you'd be interested in? I'm going, are you kidding? You know, I mean, what, what an opportunity, you know, this would be uh, for the president. And I said, I said, no question about it. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do it. And so standing there up in the front of the sanctuary, uh, we kind of worked through all the logistical plans uh, for the next morning. He said, you know, we should meet him at the West Gate of the White House uh, promptly at 730 um, he said he'd have our credentials, and, and he particularly emphasized we need to be there on time because the president has a cabinet meeting at, at 815, 
and we probably wouldn't be welcome uh, walking through the cabinet room during that meeting. And so he says, look, uh, if you're staying out with George and Carol, um, given morning traffic, especially downtown D.C. around Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, you, you should probably leave George and Carol's uh, no later than 6.30. So we kind of got, okay, that, that means for us it's going to be a 5.30 a.m. wake-up call. Well, anyway, uh, that Sunday night we go to bed, and uh, our heads are kind of spinning, right? Because we, we can't believe that, that eight hours from now we're going to be standing uh, in the Oval Office. And, uh, and we finally drift off to sleep. But then, in what seems like the middle of the night, I hear uh, the phone ringing. And, and I have no idea why the phone would be ringing at that hour of the night, but it wasn't my house and it wasn't my phone. So I just kind of went back to sleep. But then I hear footsteps uh, across the floor upstairs. Somebody's going to answer that phone. And then almost immediately, I hear footsteps moving more quickly now. Uh, and, and they're approaching the door to the downstairs area where, area where we're sleeping. And that's, that's when I hear uh, the door open and I hear our hostess, uh, Carol, uh, yell downstairs, Duffy, are you awake? Telephone for you. It's the White House. And, of course, by this time, I have to admit, I'm feeling a little bit cocky, right? So I lean over to Maggie and said, I hope they're not going to ask us to stay for that cabinet meeting. Uh, we, got, we got stuff to do. And, uh, but I get up and, you know, kind of stumble over to the phone, still pretty much half asleep. And, and I'm immediately greeted by this urgent voice, Duffy, where are you? Which actually, at that time of the morning, wasn't a particularly easy question uh, and the voice uh, just quickly tells me, Duffy, I'm, I'm the Secret Service agent you met last night. And, and then he says, uh, do you know what time it is? And honestly, I had no idea what time it is because it's kind of dark down there uh, in the guest suite. But then without waiting for me to answer, he says, Duffy, it's 745. He said, I was just calling to make sure you guys are, were on your way. Carol said that George had to leave early for a meeting this morning and she didn't know you guys were expected to be anywhere. We've got Secret Service checking the grounds of the White House to see if you maybe went to the wrong uh, gate. Uh, and then he says, I'm sorry. I, look, man, I, I, if you haven't left yet, uh, there's no way you're, you're going to get down here in time for me to take you around. Even if you left right now, uh, you'd get here too late for us to, for us to do uh, anything this morning. So he Ken says, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, this didn't work out for you, I hate to have to say this, but um, you know, we're not, we're not going to be able to have you come down to the White House today. We have, we have zero flexibility uh, with this schedule. Uh, you know, maybe the next time you, you come to Mount Oak, uh, you know, we, can, we can set something up for you to come to the Oval Office and, and meet the president. Well, by this time, of course, my mind is just so muddled. Maggie knew something was wrong, right? She could hear my end of the conversation, but she didn't hear the other end. And so she says, you know, she says, what's up? And by now I can sort of faintly make out her facial features from the light of the upstairs hallway. And I remember looking into her face and, and saying, what's up? What's up? Well, uh, Maggie, here's what's up. What's up is that you are married to one of the only guys in the country who has slept through a chance to meet the president of the United States. And, and, and she looked at me 
actually, kind of the way you're looking at me. And, 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 and it's a little bit offensive. Uh, it was an expression that basically said, Duffy, you are an idiot. You know, how, how could you be that stupid? And, uh, and I don't want to make two quick uh, comments about that story before we move forward this morning. The first one is this. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. Uh, I, I, remember I said right at the beginning, I'm going to tell you a story. That, 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 that didn't happen. Uh, comment number two, though, is this. Um, yeah, it did happen. It did happen. It just didn't happen to me. It happened to you. You're going, Duffy, did, did we not take our meds today? Uh, you, you know. Well, let me explain. When I say it didn't happen, I mean that uh, I didn't sleep through a chance to, to go down the White House and meet the President of the United States. I'm not that stupid. I mean, uh, anybody who has an invitation to the White House and meet the President, I mean, pretty much regardless of your politics, you're probably going to find a way to make that happen. What I mean is that you, um, me, probably a lot of us in this room this morning, and on a pretty regular basis, we don't sleep through a chance to go into the Oval Office and meet the president. We sleep through a chance to go into the throne room of the God of all creation and have an audience with the King of Kings. I mean, think about it. We have this amazing invitation to be with the God of the universe. But for most of us, on a fairly regular basis, we just, we just kind of blow it off, you know. Maybe we want to grab that extra half hour of sleep. Maybe we're just trying to snag some breakfast. Maybe we're just trying to get everybody out the door and off to school. Maybe it's starting your day. Uh, you know, maybe you really do need to go uh, guard people at the White House. But, but we miss out on the one thing we need to make sense out of all the other things we're going to face in the day because we don't take the time to go into the throne room and sit at the feet of Jesus. That's essentially the story we're going to read this morning in this passage from the Gospel of Luke. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, Verse 38. If you don't have a Bible, these good folks coming down the aisle, if you'll just raise your hand, they'll be happy to pass one to you so you can follow along. We can all be on the same page. Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I, I, um, I love it when the scripture uh, gives us these glimpses of, of just normal everyday life. I mean, what, what could be more, more mundane? What could be more uh, real than this kind of snapshot of a household that gets a surprise visit from a beloved friend and is immediately sort of jolted 
into this chaos of, of, of trying to get the house clean, show hospitality, you know, make sure the guest feels welcome. And oh, by the way, uh, prepare a nice meal for the God of the universe, uh, who a few weeks earlier fed 5,000 people. And I just love it because, because passages like this remind us, remind us that Jesus meets us in the midst and the messiness of everyday life. It's not, it's not just burning bushes and, and, and mountaintop splendor. Trust me. If you, if you start to pay attention and you watch for Jesus, he'll surprise you in the ways he shows up in the, in the everyday, in the mundane moments of your life. And, and in this particular slice of real life, Luke tells us that Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem and he decides to take a side trip to the village of Bethany. Uh, he's going to Bethany because he wants to visit uh, his dear friends, Martha and Mary, two sisters and their brother Lazarus. And as the scene opens in verse 38, we're introduced to these two sisters. Bible scholars believe Martha was probably the oldest of the two sisters. In fact, you'll notice Luke uh, describes the home in Bethany as Martha's house. It's Martha's house. Since she was the owner of the home, we can, uh, I think, assume that she was the main provider for the family. But to understand Martha, you have to understand she was a very practical, she was a very practical woman. Um, Give me an example. Uh, There's an incident in John 11, some of you will remember this story, where uh, the brother, Lazarus, has died. And, 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 of course, everybody's at the funeral. They're grieving. Uh, they're mourning his loss. And Jesus uh, gets there four days late. I mean, literally four days after the funeral. Lazarus is, is in the tomb four days. And Jesus gets there and says, okay, uh, everybody step back. Uh, roll away the stone because I'm going to bring him back from the dead. And, of course, in the drama of the moment, family and friends kind of standing there at Lazarus's tomb, dumbfounded, amazed, they begin to hope, you know, could this, could this really happen? And, and everybody's sort of filled with marvel and, and wonder, except for Martha. Except for Martha. When Jesus says he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead after four days in the grave, good old practical Martha says, verse 39, but Lord, he stinks. There's, there's going to be an odor. It just, it's just going to be, I mean, it's a riot because you, you expect, right, if Jesus is going to raise her brother from the dead, you might expect she would show a little gratitude, a little joy, a little awe. But nope, not Martha. Jesus says he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And she's like, oh, wow, he's going to smell bad. <laughs> That's just Martha, right? That's just who she, she was always the clear-eyed thinker, right? She, if something had to be done, Martha did it. And we, we probably have, we probably have some Marthas in this room uh, this morning. You know who you are. And, and I suspect your family knows who you are. But what we all know about Marthas is that nothing gets the Marthas of this world more wound up than when they think somebody is shirking their duty. Somebody's not doing their share of the load. Martha's flying around the house. First, she's out in the kitchen. Then maybe, you know, to go kill the calf. And then poking her head back in the room where Jesus is to make sure he's comfortable. And then back outside to stir the fire. And then she sees Mary, who's just sitting there, 
at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. Martha's tearing around the house at high speed, and Mary's just coasting along in low gear. And let's be clear, there's no suggestion by Luke that, that Mary's trying to ignore the work. It's just that Mary can't bring herself to ignore Jesus. So it's not, it's not carefree laziness, it's, it's careful listening. Luke tells us, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus listening to what he said. And by the way, don't miss that statement because that fact just by itself would have been uh, the cause of, of real scandal in first century Palestine. Rabbis simply did not have women disciples. In fact, what you begin to discover as you go through the Gospels is part of what makes Jesus such a, a unique and intriguing figure is that over and over again in the Gospels, we see at Jesus' feet people who were considered outcasts, uh, second-class citizens, ne'er-do-wells, Gentiles, Samaritans, women. Most of the time, people stepped around those people and in some cases on those people. Jesus invited those people to sit at his feet. But verse 39 doesn't just say something remarkable about Jesus. It also says something remarkable about Mary. Because sitting at the feet of someone or falling at the feet of someone in ancient culture uh, was the posture of faith. It's, it's a surrender uh, of sorts. It's placing yourself under someone's authority. And you see this uh, throughout Scripture. For example, in Acts chapter 22, verse 3, Paul describes himself as a Jew educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Uh, in um, Acts chapter 4, verse 37, Barnabas sells a piece of property and he takes the profit from the sales and the scripture says he lays it at the apostles' feet. It's a, it's a way of saying, look, it's, it's, it's your now. It's yours now. You can even go back in the Old Testament. For example, Psalm 99.5. Exalt the Lord our God Worship at his footstool. So when Mary, when Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, it was a clear statement of, of, of authentic faith. But it was also a clear statement of focus. It was a clear statement of focus because when Mary sat at Jesus' feet, Luke tells us she listened. She listened to his teaching. And we all know this. There's, there's, there's listening and there's really listening, right? I mean, I mean, I love this cartoon. I think I've used it here before, but it, it just says this so well. She says, you know, go to the store, uh, lay down the mulch, wash and wax the car, get the kids at school, uh, rent some videos, wash the rest of the dishes. He hears, go, lay down, and get some rest. <laughs> I mean, the Greek word that, that Luke uses here for listening it's a word that can literally be described or transcribed as, as absorb, absorb. We might describe it as just taking it all in, every word, just drinking it in. So Mary's not just a faithful listener. She's a focused, a focused listener, which means the stage is set. We have one sister hearing and one sister hurrying. And that starts to cause some heat in the kitchen. Let's go to verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care 
that my master has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Oh, boy. Here we go, right? Now, now we're starting to see the slow boil. Uh, after all, I mean, Martha loved Jesus. She, she loved you. She wanted to listen to Jesus too, right? I mean, you, you, you can't be distracted uh, unless you're at least a little bit attracted. Martha wanted to spend time with Jesus. She did. She really did. But somebody had to be practical here. Stuff had to get done. And Martha starts to resent that while Mary sits on the floor at Jesus' feet, she's stuck out at the fire working on Jesus' feast. And, and, and that's when Martha begins to stew. You can almost imagine Martha kind of walking every now and then briskly through the room there uh, with loud intentional sighs that, that those of us who are married know so well. Uh, and, 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 and giving a quick uh, you know, icy stare, a quick glance at Mary, the old, the old classic. In fact, the Greek word here literally is stink eye. Not true. But uh, we all know that look, right? I remember, remember, you know, you, you've been in, you guys, you know, like you've been in school, you know, when you're in school, in the library at school, and you're supposed to be very quiet in school. And, but your buddy tells you something funny. And so you breach the silence, you know, by laughing out loud. And what does the librarian do? She gives you the look. the look. She doesn't say a word. She just goes. You know, and, 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 and I remember when I was in high school, when I got that look, I'd go. <laughs> and fall out of my chair. Because that would make it fun for her. But that, that, that's kind of, that, that's, that, or, or maybe this is a better example. This is a better example. Let's say, let's say uh, you're a high school kid and you're having dinner with your parents and they've invited some friends over. And they are talking about all kinds of boring stuff, you know, inflation, uh, you know, price of gasoline, past the gravy. I mean, it's just, uh, and, and so you go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add some humor into this meal. And so you kind of pipe up and say, you know what, Mom, this doesn't taste like pot roast. It tastes like roast pot. <laughs> what does your mother do? She doesn't say a word. She simply gives you a look. A look. It says, you will not get the car again until Jesus returns. Uh, it, it, it's, just, it's just that, that look. And, and, and that's pretty much Marta's vibe. She is not happy with the way this is happening. And so finally, you see this in verse 40. She just blurts out, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. T tell Mary to get her lazy rear end in here and join me in serving you with gladness. And, 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 and we're like, wow, okay, okay, that's a little intense. But I mean, it, it is, it's, it's first of all pretty clear, isn't it? By this time, Martha's kind of forgotten who's serving who. I mean, she literally, literally gives Jesus an order here. Lord, you tell Mary, to help me. And, and, and you can kind of see where this comes from because go back and look at the verse. Notice all the me language in this verse. You could just see it. My, me, myself, me. Me language is always the kindling for anger and anxiety. L listen yourself, listen to yourself for me language in your thoughts and words. Nothing distracts us from a focus on Jesus more than a focus on ourselves. 
But this outburst is also interesting because it shows us, you know, at the heart of all of Martha's fretting and fuming is really one simple fundamental question. Lord, don't you care? Don't, 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 don't you care? Do you really care? I mean, whenever we lose that focus on the character of God, the goodness of God, that he loves us, that he knows us, that he's good, that he's faithful, that he understands our situation, the focus always goes from he to me. So, verse 41, verse 42, Jesus has to offer to Martha some straight talk about putting first things first. Let's go back to the text. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I remember when, um, when I was a boy, there was this guy uh, who would come on the Ed Sullivan show, and, and he would spin plates, and he'd be running, you know, darting back and forth, and every now and then one of the plates would topple off the stick and break, which for me and my brother was our favorite part of his act. And, 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 and every time I read this passage in Luke chapter 10 and get to those final two verses from the words of Jesus, I think of that plate spinner. I think of that plate spinner because, because essentially what Jesus was saying to Martha that day was, Martha, you're trying to spin too many plates, You're trying to spend too many. You're out there trying to juggle the dishes when what you really need to do is be focused on me. One thing is needful. One thing is needed. You're trying to focus on keeping all these plates in the air, but authentic balance can only happen when you are focused and faithful in your relationship with me. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, well, hold on a second. Uh, Is Jesus saying that hospitality is unimportant? Like we're supposed to kind of hope the meal will cook itself. You know, the work is all bad and worship is all good. We're just supposed to sort of sit around with our heads in the clouds. Mary is awesome and Martha is, you know, Cruella de Vil. Uh, I mean, I can just imagine some moms going home today after this sermon and and people start asking for lunch. And she says, you make your own lunch. I'm going to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. (laughs) That's not where this passage wants to take us. Uh, You know, Lizzie did a great job last week, didn't she? Pointing us to the need for compassion and good works. Deeds matter. It's not either or. To be faithful to Jesus is to actively love and serve our neighbor. It's interesting. Look at the text. Jesus never rebuked Martha for what she was doing. He rebuked Martha for what she wasn't, what she wasn't doing. She was letting good things, important things distract her from the best thing, the one thing needed. And of course, when we neglect the most important thing, even the good things we do, we do with a bad attitude. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He says, you can't get second things by putting them first. You can get second things only by putting first things first. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, I I, I, I get it uh, that, that somehow I'm supposed to be spending time at the feet of Jesus, but what does that mean in, in, in practical terms? And how do you develop this habit of, of faithful focus? Well, let me just take a few minutes to get very basic and very practical here. One of the most common ways that, that a lot of us, even here this morning, uh, 
practice sitting at the feet of Jesus is by setting aside some time every day to have what, what uh, some people call a, a quiet time or, or devotions. It, it's simply taking some time every day, maybe just start with 15 to 20 minutes, could be in the morning, could be midday, could be at night, to do two things, two things. Because one thing is needed, you do these two things. First of all, read your Bible. Read your Bible because, because that's listening to Jesus. That's, that's letting God speak to you. And I'm talking really listen. Focused, faithful listening. And then secondly, we pray. We pray. Because that's you talking to Jesus. That's, that's trusting that, yes, God does care. He will listen to you. Your, your concerns are important, and he eagerly invites us into his throne room. Now, I, 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 I know, especially if you haven't been around church very much, that when you hear people say stuff like that, it's easy to imagine that, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus is some kind of weird mystical deal where you, you know, go into a closet and smoke oatmeal. And, 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 and I want us to understand it doesn't have to be some complicated deal. For example, um, in my own quiet time, when, I, when I'm reading my Bible, I want to open to a passage of Scripture, I, I basically look at the text and I, I try to do three things. Observation, interpretation, and application. Those three things. So first of all, observation, I'm asking myself, what does this passage actually say? Just what does it say? And then interpretation, what does this passage actually mean? And then application, uh, but what does this passage mean to me? What does it mean in my life? So it's, 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 it's pretty basic, pretty simple. My, my youth group kids, you say, yeah, I get it. Observation, interpretation, application. But how are we supposed to remember those three words? And I said, all you have to do is remember the first letter of each of those words. Observation, interpretation, application, O-I-A. What does that spell? Oya. So you're sitting there with your Bible. What was that thing Duffy said? Oh, yeah. And you got it. And, and, and it's not some big complicated deal. Anybody can just, in, in fact, uh, to make this even more user-friendly, uh, we want to introduce you this morning to a little tool some of us uh, are using here at FaithBridge. It's, it's, you can find a link to this on the FaithBridge website. Uh, but it's called um, Daily Soap. Daily Soap. S-O-A-P. There's a little flyer there in your seat. Take a look at it. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. S-O-A-P. Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. So, in fact, we used to use Scripture, Listening, Observation, and Prayer. That never really caught on. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. The guy who came up with that is, is no longer in ministry. But, but, but seriously... If you're not doing anything like this as a part of your regular daily schedule, you are missing out on an audience with the king of all kings. We've been invited into the throne room. I want to encourage you. Maybe just start it tomorrow morning. Make a 30-day commitment. Just say, I'm going to do a 30-day commitment every day to listen to God. I know it's busy. I know there's a thousand different things. Maybe use this, this little soap uh, plan, but, but spend some time listening, focused, faithful listening 
at the feet of Jesus. See what happens. See what happens. And, and let me add, please, if you do that and, and, and you feel like you're doing it all wrong, it's not going well, you don't, you know, you're not getting goosebumps, you're not hearing music, don't get discouraged. Uh, you know, in a sense, it's, this is like any other exercise. It's an acquired taste. So, so, you know, don't be so Martha-minded about doing everything exactly right that you lose the merry-minded focus on Jesus. Because remember, that, that is the one thing needful. And if you are one of those Martha types this morning, and I'll be the first to confess that I definitely can be if I'm not careful to keep my focus I want you to remember Jesus' response to Martha that day in Luke 10. Go back to verse 41. The Lord said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. He he didn't say, okay, that's it, you're finished. I don't don't love you anymore. You're no longer welcome at my feet. Uh, I'm no longer going to eat at your table. In fact, The way he said Martha's name twice, you know, that was a way in ancient Near Eastern culture to communicate deep affection. Uh, In fact, uh, some of you remember that that ancient text by the Kingsman that begins with the words Louis, Louis. Just kidding. But but seriously, there are about 15 times in the Bible where uh, a person or a people are addressed by the repetition of the name. You see it, for example, in the book of Exodus. God calls out Moses, Moses. Uh, when David's son uh, dies, he's grieving over him. He says, Absalom, Absalom. Luke, Luke chapter 13, uh, Jesus is, is weeping over Jerusalem. He says, uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And, and, and probably the, the most vivid is, is when uh, from the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken When Jesus spoke to Martha that day, in the midst of the mess and the busyness, he was speaking with the deepest tenderness and affection to her. It wasn't an indictment. It was an invitation. An invitation to the throne room. I wonder uh, how many plate spinners we have in the house this morning who haven't yet responded to that stunning invitation. You know, maybe like Martha, you're, you're worried and you're upset about many things and you just can't seem to shake it, men and women. It doesn't matter how many important things you think you can check off your to-do list, that's not going to fix it if you're not focused on the one thing needed. My hope, my prayer this morning is that you'll receive in this passage uh, a surprise visit from God that you didn't come here expecting this morning. And this God invites you into his presence. And then my sincere prayer is that you won't blow it off. That you won't sleep through this, this invitation to have an audience with your heavenly father. Because he really does care. Now, Jesus puts it like this in Revelation 3.20. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. I'm going to invite us all to stand together. This morning as we sing this song, I want us to sort of approach it as a, a song of a, a prayer.
Um, this would be a wonderful time for you if you're here and you're kind of hearing some of this and going, yeah, maybe, maybe that's my problem. I've been distracted by many things and I need to return to that one thing needful. Maybe this is a great time to talk to Jesus about that or maybe to recommit yourself to that, that plan of saying, I want, I'm just going to take this 30-day experiment in listening to God and I'm going I'm to begin this now. 